Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Counterfeits, fakers, posers always cause more problems. They never solve issues. Never solve issues. You watch them. You watch them. They add to the problem. They never solve the problem. That's who they are. You give them time, they'll prove it to you all the time, every time. And within this world that we're talking about, within this, you know, the, you got guys, they were fakers. They were, they were pretending to be something they were not. In today's message, Pastor James will warn you about wolves in sheep's clothing. The church is often referred to as a flock of sheep, their pastor being the shepherd and the Lord being the head shepherd. And what does the shepherd protect the sheep from? Wolves. Wolves are those type of people that seek to cause strife and division wherever they go. These wolves often come disguised as just another sheep in the flock, but a good shepherd will protect his sheep no matter what. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. need to know how to reset. You need to know how to take breaks. You need to know how to invest in your relationship with the Lord. You have to know how to do those things. You have to know how to get away sometimes and get some alone time. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about making yourself the number one person within your life. There's a danger to that. There's an absolute danger to that. And it's dangerous for them, but it's not just dangerous for these guys. And it's not just dangerous for us when we make ourselves number one within our lives. It is dangerous for people around us. And that's what nobody, nobody will tell you that. Nobody will tell you that. You do you. Take care of yourself. Do all the stuff. Like, I get maybe what they're trying to say, but nobody wants to come out and say, like, listen, if you are so self-focused, you are hurting people around you. You are hurting people around you. The extreme example, something that my family and I, I mean, we're like living in this thing right now with fostering and adopt. Those people, a lot of people are absolutely focused on themselves, taking care of their needs, taking care of number one. Well, that becomes a problem when you're so caught up in taking care of yourself and maybe your bodily urges that you are neglecting your kids that need you to pay attention to them. Well, that doesn't really... No, it absolutely applies. It absolutely applies. You overlap with some of these individuals. And, and, and maybe it's drugs. Why are you taking the drugs? Why? Because I'm trying to take care of me. Because this thing will numb the pain that I have inside of me or will cause me to forget of this and that and all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, but when you do that, what's happening to your kids? They're suffering. They're suffering. What's happening to the world around you? You're of no value anymore, so to speak, to those who are around you because you're taking care of number one. There's a danger behind that philosophy. You should take care of yourself. You should absolutely take care of yourself. 
But we got to make sure that we're keeping priorities kind of straight here. Like the Lord's got to be number one. He's got to be number one. These guys, man, they love pleasure. They love just being about themselves and, and just like no filter. Like no, like there's no like God filter in their lives. Like, should I do this? Ah, it doesn't matter, right? Like they're, they're just completely hedonistic in that sense of like, just like feels good, just do it. Well, should I check with God on this? Nah, nah, nah. That's old school, right? It's like, no, 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 no. Listen, God is a wonderful God. He actually wants his children to experience and enjoy pleasure. See, some, some places would, would like, well, they don't even, we're not even going to talk about that. Like, within a, no, you should experience pleasure in this world. You should. Absolutely. God has created you like that. He has created you like that. Within the marriage, marriage relationship, pleasure should be a part of that thing. Absolutely. Within life, pleasure should be a part of your life. But it should not be what all of your life is about. These individuals are making pleasure their pursuit. You'll never be satisfied. They certainly were never satisfied. Verse 5, having the appearance, here's the kicker, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. They look the part. They sound like the, you know, they sound like they're, they're about the Lord. Like, they have an appearance of godliness. But if you got to see inside their heart, the things that you would see would be selfishness, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Um, would Would you be okay if those were the things that my life was about? No, you wouldn't. You can say no, that you would not, and it's okay. I would hope you would say no. Right? We're like, he's a really good speaker. I'm not saying that with myself, but like, like oh, we can tolerate those things. Worship's really good. The message is always really good. No, you avoid such people. You avoid such people. Paul's pretty clear on that. He's like, hey, Timothy, um, you're going to be encountering individuals like this when you do ministry. When you do ministry. They're going to have the appearance of godliness. And this isn't always just like people who stand in a pulpit and all this stuff. This could be uh, applying to individuals who are running like nonprofits and, you know, other ministry type things that are out there where it's like, well, it seems like they're doing good things. Well, are they? And maybe they are doing good things, but are they a good person? Is that somebody that's worth following? No. No, they're not worth following. This is something that needs to be on our radar today. Because I don't know about you guys, I got time during the week where, you know, whether I'm pushing around a lawnmower or holding a paintbrush for eight hours straight or whatever it is, my earbuds are in and I'm listening to podcasts. And a lot of times I I will listen to other pastors. I've listened to anybody and everybody. And there's guys I come across where I'm like, I don't, I think I'm going to avoid this person. I think I'm going to avoid this person. Because there's no, there's no depth 
There's no value. If I'm examining a tree, inspecting a tree for fruit, I mean, this thing's like, I crave fruit. This thing's putting out like Twinkies. And Twinkies are awesome sometimes. Like, yeah, what? A, but there's like no value in those things. There's nothing, nothing nutritional that I can gain from that. So I think I'll, I think I'll just remove them from my playlist. No offense to them. Maybe they're brother. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But I know that in these days, I got to be smart. Got to be cautious. You got to be aware. Who are you? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are you positioning yourself under that you're going to allow them to speak directly into your life? You better know what that person's about. You need to know what that person's about. Now there may be some issues that you don't agree with hundred percent. It's fine. It's fine, right? I'm talking about open-handed issues because there are some guys out there that I don't agree with hundred percent on all issues. The open-handed ones, like you know, you name it. I mean, there's a ton of the issues that are out there right now. Now you got these things that we call these closed-fisted issues. Is Jesus the Son of God? Okay, we're not moving on that thing. Yes, he is, okay? Did he really die and raise again from the grave physically? Yeah, that's a closed-fisted issue. We're not budging from that thing. Is he going to come back? Yes. When's he going to come back? I don't know. Open-handed issue. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, I don't know. I kind of think it's pre-trib. Most of my Calvary buddies think it's pre-trib. We could all be wrong. And you know what? You know who's going to know? Nobody, right? Because you're going to be like, what? what happened? Was it supposed to happen now? I don't know. When it happens is when it's supposed to happen. Just be okay with that. Open-handed issue. Open-handed issue. I'm not going to stop following guys or stop listening to guys just because they differ with me on that thing. Now, if somebody says, you know, sin is not an issue. We don't need to preach about sin anymore. I'm like, woo, oh, hold on now. Sin is an issue. All people are born sinners. Closed-handed issue. All people need Jesus. Closed-handed issue. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Closed-handed issue. That's it. If you start trying to, you know, if I'm listening to a guy who starts going away from that stuff, I'm not going to sit under your teaching anymore. I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm not, because I don't know where that's going to take that person down the road, okay? So there's some things you just got to be aware of. You, need to be, you just need to be aware of like who's, who's speaking into your life. Um, maybe at this point in time in the message, you're thinking like, well, what is James about? Come and ask me. I'll tell you. I'll be as open with you as I can possibly be. I don't, I don't have anything to hide. I don't have anything to hide, okay? But I'm, a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Do I still struggle and wrestle and all? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But praise God for his grace and his mercy within my life, okay? Um, he's still working on me. Um, I'm not where, I'm, where I should be. I'm not where I want to be. And he is still getting me to where he wants me to be. Ultimately, I'll stand before him because I am saved and I am going to heaven and I will stand before Jesus and then I'll be perfected. But until then, I'm not there. But I love Jesus more than anything. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love you guys in, Cal- in Galveston. Um, but, and I love the word of God. Like, that's what I'm about. And I love surfing. Can you see it on my face? Because I'm really red. Not because I'm mad or embarrassed, but because I'm really sunburned. And I was in the water all day yesterday. All right. Um, 
Listen, um, just watch a person long enough and you'll really start to see what's coming out of them. So, you know, be like the Bereans, just always checking things out. Check it out, check it out. All right, so avoid these people. Just avoid those people, right? Verse six, from, uh, for among them are those who creep into households. Here's kind of their, we know how they function, so to speak, or what they're about. Now here's their mission. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. Well, that's kind of weird. And if you have the King James, it says silly women. And I just think that's hilarious. Um, no offense. Uh, but why? Why does it say that? Well, you need to understand the culture of the time, okay? Because for sure, at this point in time, uh, a lot of the women were, I mean, there were industrial women, absolutely, you know, in, in making things and doing things and all that stuff. But by and large, um, a lot of the women were, they were just at home. They were at a home. And so while their husband was away working, these guys saw their opportunity to get into the household and cause disruption. So this isn't so much speaking about women as like, you know, in that sense. But what we do need to realize concerning that, in the Garden of Eden, Satan sought to pursue Eve with the deception. Does that mean because she was weaker and all? No, that was his target. And I need you to understand this. He hasn't changed his ways. Can he creep into households and capture weak men? Absolutely. And he does. And he does. I think what is being talked about here is because we can focus on that and be like, man, there's that chauvinist Paul again, right? Because that's what a lot of people like to talk about him. He's like, he just doesn't like women. That's not what he's saying. He loves women. He's saying to the men, to Timothy, the leaders, he's saying, listen, you need to be on guard. Because this enemy who is prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour, your, women, the, your wives are at home. You need to make sure that you're taking care of them. Because if you don't, he will. Because if you don't, he will. And the enemy is looking to get into the, into the family unit, so to speak, however he can. Now, there was also a thing going on. You can read First Timothy because that's where Paul made that statement of like, hey, listen, I don't let women teach. And you're like, what? what? Especially nowadays. That's a big deal right now. Um, let me tell you, that's kind of like one of these things. All right? But women pastoring and all that stuff, we could talk about that another time. Okay? I don't have time today to, to discuss that stuff. But in this region, there was, a, there was an issue. And what, so what we kind of need to understand culturally um, there was a lot of like false god worship going on within this region, in the region of Ephesus, where Paul loved that city, and he he entrusted Timothy to take care of the churches there. Well, a lot of their um, pagan worship was centered around women priestesses. They were like they were in charge of all the worship ceremonies and everything. The problem was is that some of that was translating into the church, and so you had. Maybe you had a, a lady who was a convert who was like, well, I ran this church over here. We, you know, we bowed down to this foreign God and stuff. Well, we left that off. But now I need to be in control of this church over here. And Paul's like, well, well hold on, hold on, hold on. That's, that's not how things go. That's not how things are. Um, is there a place for women in the leadership of the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. But there was, a, there was something going on within the city where, um, especially concerning the, the women of the town, so to speak, but the enemy was targeting these ladies. And, and Paul's letting Timothy know, he's like, listen, these guys, these bad guys, they're coming after your wives. They're coming after your wives. And, and he goes on to describe, you know, these, in these specific women that he's, he's referencing here, they're, they're ones who are they're weighed down by all this stuff. They're, they're burdened with sins. They're led astray by various passions. Uh, in one sense, they, they have like a lot of time on their hands, and they're just like going from this to that. I'll, I'll believe this, and I'll listen to that, and I'll believe this. And it's like a, somebody getting tossed to and fro because they're not really grounded into the Word of God. Well, whose fault is that? It's partially their fault, but the blame could also be put onto the husband as well. Because are you leading your family? Are you leading your family? Because these ladies, they're burdened with sins. They're led astray by various passions. He goes on to say they're always learning and never able to arrive at, not, at the knowledge of the truth. Like, it's just back and forth, and, and maybe it's, you know, well, I'll listen to this thing, and I'll listen to that thing, and it's just like, well, maybe I believe this, maybe I believe this. My question would be, like, where's the husband's at? What are you doing when you come home from work? And your wife's like, hey, I think we're going to start doing this now. It's like, well, is that biblical? No, well, we're not going to do it. Is that about the Lord? Is that about, is that about Jesus? Is that glorifying to God? If the answer is no, then it's, well, no, then I don't think we should do that. But there is this element happening, not just with women, but with families, with families, and the enemy was attacking families. Timothy, as the leader of the church, needed to be aware of this. He needed to be aware of this. And remember, he was supposed to entrust these teachings to capable men, leaders, for what? For the salvation of their households. For, for the salvation and the sanctity of their, of their families. The enemy's looking for a foothold, and he'll, he'll work his way in there. Now here's just like a, a, little, uh, a little illustration Paul throws out for us. Verse 8. Just as Janus, Janus, I don't know how you say that. That sounds right to me. And Jambres, <laughs> Jambres uh, opposed Moses. So these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. They're not about Jesus. They may look like they're about Jesus, but they're not about Jesus. They have nothing to do with him. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was, uh, as was that of those two men. So these two men, this is fascinating, because this Janus and Jambres, these are the two of Pharaoh's magicians. We, they're not named in the book of Exodus. They are named in the Apocrypha, okay? So maybe that's where they get that. But Paul's like, hey, remember Janus and Jambres, the two of Pharaoh's magicians? When Moses dro- dropped the, the staff, it turned into a snake. What'd they do? They produced a snake too. Now, Moses' snake ate their snakes, um, so he wins. Uh, God won. Uh, so then Moses is like, well, you know, the Lord, this is the Lord through Moses, turned the Nile into blood. Well, they were able to do the same thing, quote unquote. And then there was the issue of frogs. Well, they were able to produce more. Here's the thing about these counterfeits, and that's what they were. They were counterfeits because, well, number one, they couldn't keep up with Moses, because Moses was, as God was performing these plagues on the nation of Egypt, uh, these counterfeits, they couldn't keep up. 
So God unleashes lice on everyone. Lice are horrible, horrible. These guys couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. And this is how you would know they're counterfeit. All they kept doing was producing more bad stuff. They just kept producing more bad stuff. Moses drops his staff. It's a snake. What do they do? They create more snakes. That doesn't solve anything. That's more problems. You just compounded the problem. Nobody likes snakes. Well, some people do. I don't know about you people. But nobody likes snakes. Don't make more snakes. Make the snake go away. More blood. Take the blood away. If you're really real, take the blood away. If you're really real, make less frogs, not more frogs. Counterfeits, fakers, posers always cause more problems. They never solve issues. Never solve issues. You watch them. You watch them. They add to the problem. They never solve the problem. That's who they are. You give them time, they'll prove it to you all the time, every time. And within this world that we're talking about, within this, you know, the, you got guys, they were fakers. They were, they were pretending to be something they were not. Were they saving any souls? No. Were they solving any problems? No. They were making matters worse. And that's what counterfeits will do. That's what posers do. They make matters worse. They make matters worse. Give them time. Give them time. Because I can, tell, I can promise you this. The crowd was amazed by these two, these two magicians, quote unquote, making snakes and making more blood and making more frogs. But I don't know if anybody ever talk, stopped to say, like, well, how do we get rid of these frogs? You know, that's cool. But I think it would have been better if you would have taken away the frogs not added more frogs to my house. See, that's like common sense. That's like logic, right? It's a counterfeit. And every, Paul listed these attributes of counterfeits. Don't align yourself under these guys. Don't position yourself under these guys. Don't follow these guys. Separate yourself from these guys. Well, who am I? The opposite of the list we just went through. That's who you follow. The opposite of the list we went through would be found in Galatians chapter 5, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's gentleness. It's love. It's self-control. I mean, it's patience. It's kindness. That goes on. It's not just limited to that one list. Fruits of the Spirit. That's who you want to align yourself with. Are they producing that stuff in their lives? If yes, follow them. Follow them. The Apostle Paul produced those fruits within his life. That's why Timothy pursued after him. Timothy produced those fruits within his life. That's why others followed after him. Jesus produced those fruits within his life. That's why his guys followed after him. Each and every one of us needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be producing fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because whether you agree with this or you like it or not, somebody's following you. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's following you. So you might as well give them some good fruit to partake of along the journey.
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that it's an opportunity for the Apostle Paul to give a sort of closing argument, solidifying who he is in Christ and what he was willing to sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. In chapter 4, Paul states, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. How many people can say that, that they've lived well and haven't fallen away from God even in times of adversity? This is an incredible statement that Paul speaks. May you strive today and every day to be able to say the same, that you've fought the fight, that you've finished the race, and most importantly, that you've kept the faith. We're so glad that you tuned in to study the Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. And if you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to be that for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer, too. That's all the time that we have for today, but we encourage you to keep on reading on your own. There's more to learn from the book of 2 Timothy, and Pastor James wants to share these things with you right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of humans who I love.